Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 you can do what you want to us but we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the united states of america gentlemen Hey everyone, this is the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Faye with Jim Righeimer breaking down the biggest stories of the week. A ton of news to get to. So much happening in Washington and across the country and right here at home. Talking about President Biden. He gets his infrastructure bill done. But what about the social spending bill? What about inflation? What about his poll numbers? What is going on with him? And also talking about what's going on with his OSHA rule where he wants to have Large employers make their employees get vaccinated, but some courts are saying, I don't think so. And can OSHA even enforce it? And in California, we're having an uptick in COVID cases despite the draconian measures. How does that compare to Florida, where they have no restrictions? And then we're talking about what's happening with the Russia collusion investigation. John Durham, he's the uh, special prosecutor looking into that. He's the U.S. attorney. And he's going to find out how that whole thing happened. It's not good news for Democrats, not good news for Hillary and a lot of her lawyers. But, Riggy, starting with President Biden, he gets his infrastructure bill this last week. And then Trump goes and starts sounding off on the Republicans who supported it. The question is, is there going to be any blowback for these 13 House Republicans who supported this infrastructure bill that, you know, $1.2 trillion roughly, very bipartisan, but Trump's not happy about it. The question is, is that going to matter, you know, for the midterms next yes, year? Yes, somewhat. I mean, for some seats it will. I mean, everybody, you know, should know their own district and know what their district wants. And if your district is, you know, going to see some freeway on-ramps come in or a port come in or something you're getting and that matters to you, maybe you have a better read on it. I, I think in general it doesn't help, but because it's not only the, the 13 that vote, it's how many vote to allow six or seven Democrats to not vote for it. And, and that's the problem. It's like you give a free pass to the AOCs and those people because they have to be on a certain side. If, if four or five people didn't vote for it, Nancy would have had to find those votes, right? And she, now she didn't have to find the votes. They were kind of covered for and Republicans did it. So I can see why Trump's get upset about it. But, you know, all politics is local and we'll find out. But there's clearly going to be uh, some primary people being primaried. Uh, Republicans. Yeah, and what we've already seen is a lot of House Democrats are calling it quits. We've seen Adam uh, Kitzinger from Illinois. He's calling it quits. He's a Republican who's been sort of at odds with Trump, but they're actually redrawing his district. So that's why he's calling it the quits. The Democrats are redrawing his district. Right. The Democrats yeah. are redrawing his district. So that's why he's calling it quits. He's, you know, he's going to say he's uh, resigning out of principle. It's like, no, your seat's just being eliminated. Now, President Biden is out uh, trying to sell the trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. He's saying it's going to fix the nation's inf- inflation and supply chain woes. But, Riggy, his whole point is, well, once these things, these projects get going, we're going to start seeing things fixed. Well, 
these projects take forever to get going because in federal contracting, there's all these hoops you have to jump through. You have to prove that you're a minority or woman-owned business. There's climate change issues. There's environmental impact reports. There's all this stuff. The question is, is there any chance that any of this stuff is going to get going soon enough to make a difference for in our inflation issues, which are at record highs, or the supply chain crisis? Well, two things. Number one, they do take time, so they're not going to happen. The idea of a, a shovel-ready project, something like that, that happened during the Obama administration, if a project is shovel-ready, it means that all the paperwork's been done, all the engineering's been done, all the money's been funded, and there's money to fund and, sol- and solve that issue. So you really, you know, th- that money never helped anything because projects that were shovel-ready already had funding to do it. And, and, and wouldn't a shovel-ready project already be done by the private sector? As, or, like, or, would you want, are, would it be waiting for for the federal government whether, to come yeah, into it? it? Whether it's the private sector or it's a public project, which are built by private sector companies, you're right. But the other side of it is he's missing economics 101. When, during inflationary times, you don't go ahead and bring in more demand. So if, if, if concrete costs X dollars a yard for concrete and then you go ahead and do 10 more projects, the cost of concrete is going to go up. So when he says this, you scratch your head and think, is he not that bright, or am I that stupid to not realize that he understands his voters don't understand economics whatsoever, and the federal government can spend ten, tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in additional things and not have inflation? Of course you're going to have inflation. There's not enough products to supply. Yeah, and the number we saw this last week was that consumer prices in October climbed 6.2% from a year ago, which is the highest uh, increase in 30 years. And the problem for President Biden is no matter how well-meaning he is, when he goes and speaks, he reads whatever speech is prepared. And those you know, prepared remarks never get any media coverage. But what does get media coverage is his off-the-cuff remarks. JJ, let's play clip one. Everything you're paying this much for a gallon of gas? In some parts of California, they're paying $4.50 a gallon. Yeah, and so it's like what, – what, what, Yeah, it's like you shut down pipelines. You are shutting down. So here's what's happening. California's done this too. They want to say how green they are. So what you do is you don't want to have a coal-fired plant in California. You want to have a coal-fired plant in Utah, which California gets that power, but they don't say, oh, by the way, there's this uh, you know, coal that we're burning up in Utah, which is bad for the, for the earth. We're, we're doing everything green. We take manufacturing. We send it to China. So the manufacturing that pollutes the air, we're not doing it here. We're doing it in China. So it's it's okay. How he can turn around and sit there and say, I'm going to shut down pipelines and I'm going to go to Europe and say, you, Russia, give us more gas. Saudi Arabia, OPEC, you give us more gas. It's still more gas. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. The only difference is we pay four fifty a gallon or more in in, uh, in California. Yeah, and the Biden administration doesn't seem to have any response to this. Uh, here's a montage from the White House under Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki was out with COVID, and so they had a substitute in. JJ, clip two. I don't have a specific number for you. I don't have a timeline on the study. I'm not going to comment on that from here. I, I don't have any outreach to speak to at this moment. Um, I, I don't have anything for you. I don't have any news or any uh, schedules. I, I don't. I would. <laughs> I don't have anything. I don't have anything more to read out. That's all I have for you guys. Thank you. I mean, 
11 years of college, I could do that. <laughs> I could sit there and go, I have no clue what I'm talking about. I'm standing, very sharp-looking lady. She's bright. Seems like she knows it. But she either doesn't know it or knows she can't touch that subject or step on that subject. So it's like I just can't have any hand grenades. I got to get out of this room and say – I don't know anything. Yeah, and what's so um, interesting about this is the Biden administration, they can't send out President Biden to be the spokesperson on these specifics because he just doesn't have the mental acuity to do it, no. right? So they send out Mayor Pete from Indiana, who's now the Secretary of Transportation. And they send out the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, who's the former mayor or governor of Michigan, rather. And Mayor Pete says that it's really the lack of child care that's to blame for ch- supply chain issues. But then we have Secretary Granholm, who's talking about inflation, and she's the energy secretary. J.J., clip four. And so the question is, as we move out of COVID, we know that that has been creating these supply chain bottlenecks, and that includes in the fuel sector as well. And so the Energy Information Agency, which is in the Department of Energy, has its forecast for the winter coming up uh, in two days. And we'll be looking to see what the prices are looking like there, but know that. The uh, all of the economists uh, that the president has been relying on suggest that there is a transitory nature nature to the inflation uh, problem as we move through the the pandemic. And we want to make sure that we get everybody vaccinated so that we can unclog the bottlenecks that that we've been seeing. That was our former Michigan Granholm. She's now what Secretary of Energy. Energy, yeah. So this is she, her issue. She sits there and and she basically says the same. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find out if gas prices are gonna go higher. We're not really sure. We're get, calculating what your heating bills are gonna be. But it's really if we get everybody vaccinated, then all of a sudden the price of fuel is gonna go down. Meanwhile. They're looking at shutting down another pipeline that goes from Minnesota to Detroit to bring home heating fuel to homes. Now, this is just a little simple thing I learned at 11 years of college, that if you have more supply, the price goes down. If you have less supply, the, the price goes up. duh Well, the problem, Riggy, is you're talking about Economics 101, but when you have your transportation secretary – this is, again, Mayor Pete. He's doing press conferences saying how the point of the infrastructure bill is to address uh, persistent and longstanding racism. And then when you have your energy secretary saying that, well, the, the key to inflation and the supply chain issues is getting people vaccinated, which is completely BS. Because right. last year, when hardly anyone was vaccinated, we had none of these problems. Right. So we know what she's saying is BS. But this proves, I think, a couple of things. One, the Biden administration is out to touch, as out to lunch and out of touch, which is why – their approval ratings are dismal. I mean, we saw this last week. Again, it's in the upper 30s for uh, President Biden, for Kamala Harris. She's in the 20s now. 28. 28%. It's like people are looking at the basics. These aren't like pie-in-the-sky things. These are the basics of everything costs more and things are getting worse. I mean, 28. Right. 72%, three-quarters of the population. Oh, you know what it is? Three-quarters population. They're all racist. They're just racist. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, and my favorite news bit of the week was there was a poll that was put out and it was basically asking people, hey, do you think President Biden should run again in 2024? And according to the poll, the majority of Americans said no. This is a USA Today Suffolk University poll. They did it uh, last week, Wednesday through Friday. Sixty four percent of respondents don't want Biden to run again, including 28 percent of Democrats. It's, it's amazing what the Democrats in power will do to make sure that we get rid of uh, 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 Sanders. They didn't want Sanders and they would cut any deal, not get rid of Sanders. Coming up, the fight over Biden's vaccine mandate for businesses and vaccinating kids. Be right back.
Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's the Weekend Answer Show. I'm Garrett Fay. I'm with Jim Righeimer. I'm a business and election law attorney, kind of a political nut job. Riggy's also a political nut job. He used to be the mayor of the great city of Costa Mesa. So we're talking about national stories, local stories. Don't forget, the show is also on the podcast. So if you miss it on AM 870 or AM 590, just go to wherever you get your podcast, type in Weekend Answer. You'll see Riggy's smiling face well, you know, welcoming you to the show. And also, this is show prep for your life and also prep for Thanksgiving. It's coming up, and Riggy, I think I'm going to win all the arguments. Are you going to win all the arguments at your house? I, I, th- I think so, but you know what? Interesting. Because of COVID, there's a break in the family. Meaning? Well, we have some of our more woke uh, relatives who are like, well – because of abundance of caution, you know, even though we got our children vaccinated now, we don't think we should all be together. So they're just going to sit outside at your house while you're inside? No, 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 no. This is, we're going to be in the Midwest. Okay. We're going to go back, it. but not everybody's going to be together because they have to make a statement. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So the wife and I, we were recently reaching out to some friends who uh, had a kid and we said, hey, why don't you guys come over? And they go, oh, we'd love to come over as long as we're outside distancing and wearing masks. I'm like, you want to hang out outside wearing a mask? And these people are in Long Beach. So it's like you realize there's <laughs> something going on in the psyche You're only there. on the other side of the 605. But you might as well be in another country. No, it, it's amazing. I was just saying earlier that I had friends, a friend down here the other day, and we were meeting at a Starbucks in Huntington Beach. And he looked around and said, look at this. Yeah. Nobody's wearing a mask. And I'm like, yeah. Well, and it, and I mean, you people in L.A., God bless you. I feel sorry for Well, it's like brainwashing. And then they have to, you have to have a card every single place you go to show that you're not vaccinated, you are vaccinated. God bless all you people, who our listeners up in L.A., putting up with this kind of stuff. But ba- I mean, basically, when you hear the left say it, they basically, I think it was the, the, the head of the uh, city council said, we need to make it hard enough on these people and forced to make their life so inconvenient that they'll go ahead and get a shot. It's like, oh, good. Just put a gun to my head. Right. Well, what's interesting is, you know, for all you listeners out there, for those of you who came to town hall this last year, uh, for the first time in several years, it was in Orange County. Right. And the reason for that was simple. Why? More capacity, no mask mandates, no vaccine mandates in our hotel. This stuff has a real impact. But people were dying in there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they were falling out and dying in the, in the aisle. Well, there were a lot of liberal tears being shed. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. no one was dying. No right, one so, died. Okay. So getting to some national news on the COVID front. So uh, just to recap, you know, a couple months ago, more than I think two months ago, actually, the Biden administration came out and said, we're going to issue an emergency rule through OSHA through the Labor Department that's going to force businesses with more than 100 employees to require their employees to be vaccinated. Well, when you issue an emergency regulation, that's done to skip some notice and comment periods and other statutory, you know, sort of waiting hurdles. But then they waited three months. So right there, they're going to have a problem. Anyway, the OSHA rule is released, but then people sue and the Court of Appeals down in Louisiana and New Orleans says, I don't think so. And also, since that time, 26 states have sued to contest the mandate. But, Riggy, what's interesting about this OSHA mandate is, regardless of what happens in the courts, OSHA is a small agency. It doesn't have millions of inspectors. It won't be sending people out to every business. And so this last week, the White House said, well, even though the thing is held up in court, we still think businesses should comply, which, you know, I think the woke ones will. But the issue is, how is this thing going to be enforced, even if it goes into effect? And the answer is... Whistleblowers and union thugs. Right. So what we've always found out from the unions, whether it's the school unions or whatever, they all talk about safety, health, safety, health. I don't want to get sick. We don't want to die. But all of a sudden, if I get more money, everything's good. 
And so you'll always see, whether it was the L.A. teachers or any other organization of the unions, their job is to get more money, get more benefits. That's just their job. I mean, it's not like they're bad for it. That's just what their job is. But you always use leverage. And the leverage was you need to spend you know billions of dollars on uh, air conditioning systems and filtration systems in the school or just spend that billion dollars on us, give us money. And that's the same thing that's happening here. These unions will go ahead and call these issues, say how we're unhealthy, things aren't okay, the corporations don't like us. Oh, you want to give us some more money? We're good. We're good now. Yeah, and, and what's so scary about this is even if this thing goes into effect, and the rule is, again, requiring workers to be fully vaccinated by January 4 or to be tested weekly and wear a mask on the job, imagine if you're in a company where, you, you know, you got it's sort of a mixed bag. Maybe most of the people are vaccinated, some are not um, for whatever reasons. And then you've got a whistleblower who's basically ratting out the company. How's that going to be for workplace morale? Well, it's not. It's it's to get money or to do whatever they need to do. I mean, look what's here's what's kind of happening with corporations. We're getting up to Christmas time. We got a big shipping issues. We got the FedExes and the UPSs. We got United Airlines. All these issues. Have you started your Christmas shopping, Riggy, because uh, of that? Actually, my wife is almost done. Okay, good. Yeah, my wife is almost done. But what about you? Uh, I got to get my wife something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think Christmas is open. Like the day before Christmas, I go right in. I'll, I'll take two of those. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. Um, no, but so so. What's happening is these corporations are figuring how to thread the needle, okay? They got to have workers there. They got to act like they're woke because if they're not, they'll be attacked. But you're noticing that, like, United Airlines, who was, you know, you'll be fired if you don't have a vaccination, is like, well, you'll be, you know, you have to have a vaccination or maybe a card that says you don't or maybe a religious objection or something from your doctor. Before you know it, they start to you know, whittle it down to just say, hey, we need a way to keep our employees here. This doesn't make any sense. And they're also pushing all the dates. Notice now January 4th, January 8th. But before, it was going to be right after Thanksgiving, you're going to fire a bunch of people. I mean, that's going to go over really well. I mean, the Democrats are already going to lose the House. How bad do they want to lose? In a sh- get it so people can't get home from Christmas? Right. And this is one of those things where, you know, there's a health and safety component, sure, and OSHA was founded to do that. And according to an article in National Review, it notes that OSHA was established 50 years ago to enforce workplace safety. And here's what it was actually protected to do or founded to do. Protect workers from dangers including toxic chemicals, unsafe ladders, and cave-ins at construction sites. But we've gone a lot further than that, Riggy. But the thing is, there's a political backdrop to all this, which is what just happened in Virginia, what almost happened in New Jersey. Uh, There was the vote in Minneapolis to not disband the police. And across the country, we're seeing conservative and Republican politicians who are, you know, I think if they have their heads screwed on straight and they don't speak crazy things, they're getting elected. And so this is giving, I think, a lot of Democrats pause. And what's also interesting, we'll talk about this more in the legal segment, but the courts tend to follow where the culture is going. Right. And so if the party in power is a Democrat, uh, you often see the Supreme Court and lower courts kind of tend against them. This happened with Trump. This happened with Obama and Bush. It's a consistent pattern. So what that means is whatever Biden tries is going to run against political opposition and probably legal opposition because the culture now is starting, I think, to take a turn to the right away from its rampant opposition to the Trump agenda. For the most part, the, the culture goes direction of the left because it's easier to go on the left is more motivated to make it happen. On the right, you get people that just want to get their kids to soccer. They want to you know, do their job, pay the bills, enjoy life, meet their family, that kind of stuff. When you push it too far that all of a sudden you poke the bear, like what happened with the school districts where parents were saying, what, what are you teaching my kids about? These, these awful books you're making them read that are just outrageous. Yeah, like porn. 
to literally porn, yeah. literally porn, and and you know stuff you can't read read out loud. And so the, the public all of a sudden pushes back, and that's what happened. The, the bear has been poked. I don't know how, and a year from now is a long time, I don't know how the Democrats backtrack this. Because everything that's going to continue to go wrong, that they think is going to go wrong, inflation, jobs, uh, COVID, they're going to blame on the Democrats. Now, the people, the woke Democrats, really don't care. They want to get as much done as they can. Right, it's a mission they, thing. To them, it's just like, yeah, okay, inflation. Oh, yeah, people will be upset. Oh, we're going to lo- we're going to lose the House anyway. Democrats are going, we're going to lose it anyway, right. so let's get everything done we can get done, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, and the problem for them is you've got really effective governors in various states who are uh, blowing the whistle and going in a completely opposite direction. One of those is Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Uh, JJ, let's play clip six about people not losing jobs because of this. Look, nobody, no cop, no firefighter, no nurse, nobody should be losing their jobs because of these jabs. We have got to stand up for people and protect their jobs and protect their livelihoods. Yeah, what are we saying? Cops, firemen, police, nurses, you know, nurses, airline pilots, they're all freaking heroes. People at the front counter at your Walmart store checking you out. Heroes, heroes, heroes. Oh, now we're going to fire you. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is this OSHA rule. So people understand this. These are supposed to be designed to, pre- to prevent or, or address workplace dangers and an emergency rule is supposed to address an emergency. Well, COVID is an emergency? No, it's oh, not. Oh, they're dying left. I'm telling you, you go, into a, you go into a store, people are dying in the street. And Governor DeSantis waiting on that. JJ, clip seven. I think it's interesting that this is being done under the guise of emergency power. This was announced two months ago, and it said this is an emergency and that this is grave danger is facing. Then why did it take you two months to issue uh, the rule. And then, of course, the rule doesn't take effect until January, which is convenient because it's not going to, it'll minimize workforce disruptions over the holiday season, which we know we're likely to see anyways. And then this would only exacerbate that. Yeah. I mean, just like I said earlier, they're pushing it all back. They're realizing that they've got a problem here, that if they push this COVID stuff anymore, they're going to get crushed. But hey, They're going to get crushed. The Democrats are going to get trust. When we return, California COVID numbers aren't looking good, but workers are pushing back against vaccine mandates. Come right back. Welcome back to the show. This is the Weekend Answer Show, your weekend source for news and politics, giving you the news, some analysis, the audio clips, and telling you what's going to matter next week as you head off into the holidays. Talking about some COVID numbers now. And, Riggy, one of the big debates we're having across the country and here at home in California and Southern California is whether or not to vaccinate kids 5 to 11 and what should be done in the schools. And the school issue, obviously, this is not a new issue This has been one of the main flashpoints during the entire COVID process is, okay, we know generally that kids are not impacted heavily by COVID. They're not getting COVID. They're not sick. Or if they do get COVID, they're not very sick. Very few kids have died of COVID. More people, more kids die from the flu than die of COVID. We also know that if you look across the Western world, the United States is one of only seven countries in the entire Western advanced first world, whatever you want to call it, that is requiring kids to wear masks in schools. 
But that's not stopping California's leaders and Southern California's you know, school people from requiring masks. And so the issue is, what do you do with this? Now, before we get into the news here, I want to play a clip from New York City Mayor uh, Bill de Blasio, future gubernatorial candidate. He was asked this last week about, you know, what should kids be doing, 5 to 11, in terms of showing proof of vaccine? Jay, let's play that clip. At what point will you ask them to also start checking for vax cards for 5 to 11-year-olds? That's a very good question, and honestly, one we need to focus on now. We wanted to get to the day where we actually could vaccinate the youngest New Yorkers and get that rolling. We know it'll take a while. I mean, right now, to use the example of the 12 to 17-year-olds, very good news, we're almost at 79% of them. That's fantastic, but it did take a while. So it's a great question, Elizabeth. It's one I don't think we're going to settle immediately because it will naturally take uh, a number of weeks for that age group to get vaccinated. But it's a question we need to answer for the weeks ahead, and we'll come back on that. So he's basically saying we're going to have kids 5 to 11 have a card or have their screenshot or whatever on their little phone that says they've been vaccinated. This is a governor and a Democratic Party that's saying you, you, we cannot force you to have an ID to vote, but we're going to make a five-year-old, a five-year-old carry around a card saying they're vaccinated. This world's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. And I think people are starting to realize that what's going on here is really not about COVID. It's more about control. Authority and, control, and, and when absolutely. you look at what's happening in California versus what's happening in Florida – and this is, you know, an important stat. And one of the one of the big numbers you always look at, aside from the raw number of deaths, is is the the new case rate. You know, and what's the new COVID case rate? Well, as of this last week, the new COVID case rate in California was double that of Florida. Now, are there differences between California and Florida? Sure, there are. But the whole point is, COVID is doing whatever it's going to do, irrespective of these draconian mandates. And Ricky, so when people look at this, they go, okay, in a state with very little restrictions is having way lower new COVID numbers. Here in you know, California, we're having Dodger Stadium is going to be reopening as a COVID test site. We're starting to see signs of, you know, I think, you know, the signs are coming back of, hey, distance, do all that stuff. But people are realizing the government can't control the coronavirus. They just can't. No, it, it can't control the coronavirus. They know that it can't control any virus. And sometimes you need a virus just to run its course. Take care of the sick people. Take care of the old people. Take care of the people that have problems. But if you have, if you, if all kids over a time get COVID, and and you know you got a ninety nine point nine percent chance of nothing going wrong, why wouldn't you get it over with? This whole concept that people, you know, if you go to Germany, okay, in Germany you got to go ahead and show a COVID card. You got to show, or you got to show that you've been vaccinated. Or you got to show your test that you already had COVID. It's considered equal. In this country, it's not. And this back to what you said, Garrett. This is about control and authority. They want to tell you what to do to the point of stabbing something in your arm and putting some chemical in your body. That, that's what they want to do, and they want to show that they have that kind of power to do it. And if they can't get it, they're going to make your life miserable. If you're in L.A., LA City, you can't go to a movie theater, you can't get your nails done, you can't you know, go to the grocery, you can't go anywhere, and now it's going to be... If your kid doesn't have it, you can't go somewhere. So their whole come from is, hey, we're going to make it so miserable until you do it. That's just command and control authority. It's like I I tell people, well, fine. If you put a gun to my kid's head, I guess I'll do whatever you want. Let me tell you something. That doesn't work real well in elections. 
when the election time comes, there's going to be a lashback even in L.A. with some of these city council people. Yeah, and what you're starting to see, too, is you're starting to see an increase in news stories that have scary headlines. But then when you dive into the details of the numbers, they're not that bad. So, for example, KTLA Channel 5 they had a headline of here's a, here's what it is an ominous sign question mark covid-19 hospitalizations rising in parts of california as winter holidays approach now first of all we don't even have winter in this state so right. that that headline is bs but then it starts with saying covid-19 hospitalizations have risen significantly in the inland empire and central valley it talks about how uh, in some places with high vaccination rates in orange county for example covid-19 hospitalizations are up 16% since halloween so what does that mean? We went from two to six people. Exactly. We, in went the from, we went from nothing to nothing, but it has a percentage. Whenever people use percentages of percentage, if you go from one to two, it's a hundred percent increase. And they play with these numbers. So when they say sixteen percent change, when we're already downward, it just means yeah, there's a bump in it. And again, the thing you have to look at are people getting through it. Pfizer now has a pill. They have a pill you can take, right, that if you get COVID, and it hasn't been released yet. It's about to be released, the Pfizer pill. It's a total, it's a total therapy. Is it blue pill? No, 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 no. It's a total therapy. <laughs> it's going to be the red pill, right? It's, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And you just take it. So now when, when you go to your doctor, instead of going to your doctor and say, hey, if you're, go home if you're sick. If you feel really sick, then come back. Now it's like take these two pills, and it's 89% effective that you don't go to the hospital or that you um, that that you don't get um, don't get real sick. Remember, there already is only a small percentage that go to the hospital and get sick. This knocks it down by another eighty nine percent. Yeah, and I think the other thing too, what we're seeing is we're seeing that I think the trend of argument and the and the debate in the country is really changing when it applies to kids. Because initially COVID came out and it was, well, we're not sure what it is, so everyone stay home, be safe. Then we figured out who's at risk of COVID, and it's basically old people, people with underlying health conditions, comorbidities, people who are immunocompromised. And and then I think, okay, we'll take care of those people. In, in some strange cases. There are some strange sure. out of the blue that you don't know why. Yes, there are. But in terms of vast majorities, which is yeah. what government should legislate for, we know who's at risk and, 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 and who's not. But when you start talking about young kids, you're losing people here. Because right. when you start saying old people should get the shot, fine. Uh, healthy people, if they're younger, up to them, their doctor, fine. But the debate's changing. And, this, and once, I think, data point on that is Matthew McConaughey, he's the actor. He's really well known. He's thinking about running for governor of Texas. And he was this, asked this last week, where was he at? And so he said, as of right now, he would not have his kids get vaccinated. And his kids are 8, 11, and 13. Now, he's not anti-vaccination. He and his wife got it. He noted his mom was immunocompromised and she was 90 years old. And so he's, I think, saying what a lot of people are saying, which is, I might have gotten it for me. I did it because of someone in my family. But when it comes to my kids, I'm not down with a mandate. Well, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of parents who need a job, who have to work, that'll say, I'll take the bullet. I'll take the shot for my kids. And I'm doing it for my family to feed them and support them. But now you're telling me my kid? This is like a horror movie. I mean, you could just see how this would be done with the script and everything else and the bad guys. And and you have to go take the bad serum, but your kid doesn't. And all of a sudden, your kid has to. I mean, it's just a bad movie. But I'm telling you something. Why is it now that Pfizer has this new product? And I maybe I'm missing something here. 
Why are we talking about it every single day? Because it doesn't allow the government to control you in the same way, and it totally, I think, eliminates the power of people to say, there's an emergency, there's no solution, so you have to do this. Right, and these are oral pills. This is not shots. You don't take them in the hospital. The doctor can give you 89% affected that you're not going to be sick or die. Right. Above what the the numbers were before. Sure. And the other thing, too, is the problem with the whole uh, 5 to 11-year-olds in schools is what happened to follow the science? If we're going to follow the science, we wouldn't make kids mask, we wouldn't make kids distance, and we wouldn't give kids vaccines unless they have some serious immuno issue or an underlying comorbidity. Short of that. You follow the science until that doesn't work, and at that point you go to the emotion. And they're going back to the emotion of, don't you want your kids safe? Coming up, we know who's to blame for Russian collusion narrative in 2016, and it's not Trump. And the Trump goes to court to block access to records on January 6th riots. Don't change that dial. Hey, everyone. This is the Weekend Answer Show. This is your weekend source for news and politics, talking about some big stories that matter, talking about some legal issues now. And first going to talk about what's happening with the ongoing investigation by U.S. Attorney John Durham. He's been appointed as a special counsel by Trump's Attorney General, Bill Barr, to look into the origins of the FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation. That's the one they started right before Trump came into office in 2016. That was basically trying to figure out whether or not Trump's campaign was colluding, which is not even a term or a crime, was colluding with the Russians to win. And, Riggy, what came out in the last couple of weeks is very interesting. What we found out is that the main researcher, who was a Democrat operative, former uh, uh, employee of the Brookings Institution, which is a liberal think tank, Main opposition researcher who put together the Steele dossier, he was indicted for lying to the FBI. This last week, he pled guilty. And before that, uh, Sussman, one of Hillary Clinton's attorneys at the Perkins Coie firm, he was also indicted for lying to the FBI. And so what we're learning, big picture, is that while Trump's campaign uh, people had some contacts with Russians and other people in terms of business dealings, there was no collusion at all between the Trump campaign and Russia What there was was collusion between Christopher Steele, a former British spy, with bogus Russian sources, and then this Democrat researcher and Hillary Clinton's campaign, and they put this whole thing together to try and drown the Trump campaign. The media and the FBI willingly picked this up and ran with it, and we're learning that it was all basically a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, and then you toss the media on there to keep it pumping and going. I mean, right now, today, if you go to MSNBC, they're still talking about January 6th. It's just, it's just the new Trump allegation, the new Russian deal that, that we have out there. Which is and, so interesting because they've moved on from this. Right. Because I think they know this all points back to the Clintons. Right. And, we, and they don't want to go there. Well, they always say when a person attacks you or goes after you for something that you didn't do, it's usually because they did it. 
I mean, people know what they know based on what the, is in their life and what's around them. You know, to to every uh, everything a hammer is a, a everything to a hammer is a nail. It's just that's how it is. So they're talking to the Russians. They're getting people to put stuff together. They're doing a, oh blame blame the whole Russian thing on on the Trumps. That's that's what's going to work. And you want to know something? It did work. It, it totally because worked. It, it really slowed down what Trump was getting done. He couldn't push things through. He couldn't get people um, on, on different committees. He couldn't get people approved by the Senate. I mean, the man was fighting with one hand behind his back, still leading forward, still leaning in, doing what he did. It's amazing what that man got done with the kind of pressure that he had on top of him. But it's totally true because for his entire presidency, the argument was he's an illegitimate president. Because he only won because he colluded with the Russians, and therefore he shouldn't be here. He's not validly elected. He's got no place doing anything. And this sunk him in the polls. It hurt him in the congressional elections in the midterms. It's, when we, it's how we lost a major part why we lost the, the House and the Senate. Yeah, and it also played a large part in his two impeachments. Yeah. Because it was, well, this guy's not valid anyway. And so then he has his call with the Ukrainian guy, and then you got the January 6th, and he's illegitimate yeah. to begin with. But now we're learning the entire narrative was cooked up by the Hillary campaign to distract from the fact that she was a crappy candidate with a bad record. She was extremely unlikable. But to her credit, it all worked. But some people might go to jail now. So this researcher's name is Igor Danchenko. He's a primary contributor to the Steele dossier, which was the main pile of crap fed to the FBI. And he's Russian or Ukrainian? uh, He's Russian. Okay. And this was the pile of crap that was the main basis for the FBI's investigation, again, called Crossfire Hurricane, which went after the Trump campaign and dogged the Trump administration, which then turned into the Robert Mueller investigation. And the Mueller report. Anyway, Igor Danchenko pleads not guilty to five counts of making false statements to the FBI. He's the second person that John Durham has gone after for making false statements to the FBI. And Riggy, what seems to be happening here, and again, we're not the experts on this stuff, but where this seems to be going, if you read the tea leaves, is John Durham's investigation has been going on for years now. He's indicted two people. We get a hint of where he's going, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a huge series of indictments going after high-ranking FBI officials, it looks like he's going to be issuing a report. The question is, how extensive is that report, and will Biden even release it to the public? I hope it is released, because then I think we're going to find out all the ways the FBI screwed up and aggressively went after Trump. Well, that, and also the power that we give the FBI. I mean, you have five indictments, federal indictments, about lying to the FBI, they're very easy to prove. These things, you go to court, and they're, they're cut and dry. It doesn't really matter the politics of what you're doing. And, and when, when we're on the other side, we hate these things. Now, all of a sudden, it's this Russian guy that does it. It's like, oh, yeah, throw the book at him. He can get like 30 years. I mean, it's a it's ridiculous amount of power that the feds have that can pressure somebody. But with that pressure, he's going to roll. At some point, he's going to say – he's going to give a name to somebody or something because it's like I'm not going to – you know, prison for 30 years over some stupid, you know, gig that I got to, you know, come up with some dossier. Yeah. Now, the the new version of the Russia collusion scandal, the new version of this, which, again, the media is now all about because they have nothing else to talk about and nothing good to say about the current administration, 
is this ongoing January 6th investigation. This is the committee that Nancy Pelosi put together. It only has two Republicans, Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. Kinzinger is going to be uh, out of Congress. So, you know, if this thing keeps going into next year, it's just going to be Liz Cheney. And what they're doing is they're trying to get a hold of all of Trump's papers. They're trying to subpoena his former employees and outside advisors. They've issued a bunch of subpoenas. And Trump has gone to court claiming executive privilege, even though he's no longer the president, but he's claiming executive privilege to not release some papers. Federal judges are generally ruling against him. But, Riggy, the big picture point is, irrespective of these small little sort of legal skirmishes, is this January 6th, quote unquote, insurrection, this is a new Russia collusion. Right. And what we're finding out is this is the punching bag that's going to keep going, because if you turn on CNN, if you turn on MSNBC, this is all they talk about. And the question is, why? Well, because it works. I mean, if you can keep your side talking about, if you listen to them, and I do listen to them, and 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 you, the, the things they do and how they spin it, if you don't know what's going on, you're like, oh my God, there's this insurrection. Now, you and I look at it, said it was a three and a half hour event. We had we had cities of Portland burning for weeks. We had police stations burning down. We had shootings. We had people die all over the place. The only person that died here is some unarmed woman who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, you know, that's what their story is going to be. They're going to keep it because they got nothing else to work with. And insurrection's like a great word. Insurrection. Now, again, you're doing an insurrection. There's not a there's not a gun in sight. Nobody's got any weapons. It lasts for three and a half hours, but we're going to talk more and more about it on all our our great uh, lefty radio stations. Well, the other thing, too, is this really paves the way for a a Republican other than Trump to come in because they might just say, we don't want to even deal with this anymore. Who needs it? Right. Coming up, some good news about organ donations and the NYC Marathon. Be right back. Back to the show. It is the weekend answer show. Time to wrap up the show with some good news. And Riggy, we have a great story here. This is really an amazing story of friendship, sacrifice, persistence, and a whole lot of sweat. What are we talking about? Well, the New York City Marathon is this weekend. It's obviously Sunday. 50th New York City Marathon. There's going to be 33,000 people out there who are going to be hitting the pavement. And you know, I'm not sure if these people are masochists or impressive. That's a long way to run, 26.2 miles. But one of the good news stories that's coming out of this is about two people, Sarah Kate Gillingham and Dave Kane. We're talking about Dave Kane and Sarah Kate Gillingham because CBS News did a story on them. And a couple of years ago, Dave Kane got a bad diagnosis. Cancer was found in the bile ducts of his liver, and he needed a transplant. Word about this spread on Facebook, and his friend... She already knew about him. She offered to donate part of her liver. So what doctors do, doctors remove 60% of her liver, transplanted to him. It saved his life. And now, Ricky, when they race this weekend, they're going to be raising money for the American Liver Foundation, and they hope raising awareness about organ donation. That's just a fantastic story because, I mean, people going out of the way, you know, your liver regenerates and grows back, but that's a massive thing to do for a friend, um, you know. 
we got we got the holidays coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas. God bless America. People are unbelievable what they do for their friends. Yeah, and as she said, I guess it's totally possible to make a bigger impact on the world than you think is possible by doing this. Dig deep in yourself to give something that is very scary, which is amazing. That's going to do it for us this week on The Weekend Answer, but you better keep it here all week, AM 870 The Answer. Only a couple more weeks to prep to Thanksgiving. Got to win those political arguments. We'll see you next weekend.